Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Julian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. As you all know, if you're listening to the show, we are huge fans of mysteries and candles here at All Things Cozy. It's basically all our shows about <laughs> are those two things. And so you can imagine how excited we are to have Kristen Brecker on the show, whose debut novel, Murder's No Vote of Confidence, combines both of those things. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Welcome. Hi, Matt and Julian. Thank you for having me. We're thrilled to have you on, especially since we just made our, um, had our candle making episode, which I, I don't know if you listened to. Oh, you did. I'm sure oh, you yeah. had some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed. I was very impressed at how ambitious you guys were. Ambitious is a good word. Um, we really, I didn't anticipate um, how long it would take, so we're kind of a hack job, but we did our best. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. You did better than I did when I tried to make candles at home because I went to a um, class in Brooklyn, New York. I'm speaking to you tonight from, from New York, where I live, and um, there's a great candle-making store um, called Keep Candles, and they run workshops, and so when I started writing the novel, I went there. <laughs> And they taught us all about the ratio of wax to fragrance and everything. But when I went home, forget the fragrance. I was just trying to keep the wick straight. And so when I listened to your podcast, I was just so impressed that you were going for it. It was great having Jillian to guide me through the process. She was she was my Sherpa for candle making that day. We really need to take a class together at this place near my house called Maker's Nest, where I learned how to make candles. But it's very different when you're in the class versus when you're in, you know, your best friend's house. And I like to goof up. So. <laughs> you like to goof Like you're the class clown of candle making. Okay, Julian. Yeah, I like to goof up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm a little class clown. But I, don't know, I, like, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I can concentrate when I'm outside of like a, not, that's more what I meant to say. Like I'm not in a structured place. I, I tend to, I guess, goof off and just. <laughs> yeah, but that's the fun of it. That's the fun. Yeah. That's why you want to go home and make your stuff, you know? Well, I don't want to get too deep into candle making because I have a lot of questions for you about okay. that later. <laughs> okay. We'll hold off. We'll hold off. But so let's get started uh, before we go into talking about your book with what's making us feel cozy this week. So Kristen, can you kick it off? What's, what's making you feel cozy this week? Actually, tonight is an incredibly cozy night for me. And I, I planned it that way because I knew I was talking to you. What better way to feel cozy than speaking with the folks from the All Things Cozy podcast? Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. Yeah, no, seriously. I'm, you know, I mentioned I'm, I'm in New York right now. I know you guys are in California. And I'm sitting in the quietest little spot corner of our apartment. And I have, in honor of our conversation, not to go back to candles too much, but I have a little candle lit next to me, one of my Murders No Vote of Confidence candles. Um, and Yes, I made those. And um, oh, wow. I have a cup of Harney tea, which is with my favorite flavor, which is the hot cinnamon spice. I don't know if you guys are Harney tea fans, but it's delicious. My whole room smells of cinnamon right now. And then Cozy Tip. I have my, have you guys heard of the weighted blanket? I've been meaning to try that. I've heard good things about it. Okay. Do not stop. Do not hold up. I bought one of these because my son was going to college and I thought, oh, it'll be something cozy he can have. And this 15 pound blanket arrived and he said, there is no way I'm dragging a 15 pound blanket with me to college. 
So it was a good thing he said that because I don't think he stood a chance once I felt it. Mm -hmm. And it's like the yummiest little hug around me. Um, So that's Mm -hmm. me tonight enjoying my favorite season, fall, autumn in New York. I just love it. You know, every day it's just got that the low, the low shadows of the sun are starting, which I love so much. And everyone's in great moods in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. going back to school. And it's just the coziest time of year. So um, blanket answer, no pun intended, but that's, that's me right now. I think September is actually better than October, in my opinion, because there's just so many fresh starts. Absolutely. You have the the hint of fall, and it's not too bogged down by Halloween. It's just this, like, nice, interesting space. Not bogged down, but Matt's giving me a little look. (laughs) Blasphemy. But you can't, because fall is overshadowed by Halloween that you miss, you know, the essence of fall. Halloween brings fall to life. I think September is like a crystallization of fall. It's just... And yeah, new leaf, new starts, back to school, as, you know. Well, old leaf, as it were. An old leaf. Oh, they're dying. (laughs) My books take place in Nantucket Island, which is this tiny island off of Massachusetts. And that September is the most glorious time to go to Nantucket. It's just got that crispness and it's quiet and it kind of reverts back to the small town that Nantucket really is. But because the water is like comes through Nantucket via the Gulf, uh, the Gulf Stream, you can still just jump in the ocean and have the best, most refreshing swim. So that's just wonderful too. I kind of wish I were there. <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. September is amazing. I'm just not going to hear any any bad words about October, Julian. I'm not saying <laughs> any bad words. I'm just saying that I think September is more so this representation, and I totally get. You know, September in New York, I always go back for my birthday, and it's just the nicest time to be there. Um, And it's just, yeah, a beautiful time. So it sounds lovely. I need to try out that weighted blanket. I think this is the inspiration I needed. Oh, yeah. We should do a weighted blanket review and record underneath the blanket. (gasps) Yeah. I I mean, yeah. Why not? We're going to do it. I'm I'm, I'm making us do it. It's done. I love it. (laughs) I love it. That, that you're you're winning at the cozy game, I have to say. I feel like yeah. I think we're sufficiently cozy to record, but like nothing near that. Jillian, what's making you feel cozy this week? Well, a few weeks ago, I went to uh, the Sanctuary Camelback Mountain Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's this lovely little resort nestled against Camelback Mountain and is overlooking Paradise Valley. And it's one of those resorts that's really tucked away, so it's this nice little community um but it's not like one of those big resorts it's it's smaller and they have little casitas that are overlooking the mountains and it's just so it was just so beautiful and this year I made a commitment to myself or a little promise that I'm just going to treat myself because I think some people they're selfish in their 20s and then they say oh I'm in my 30s. It's time to, you know, focus on other people. Be be less selfish. But I feel like I did that in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the exact same way, yeah. So I'm. this is my year. So it was, you know, a little bit maybe too pricey, but it was nice. It was, um, I went to a spa, and there's nothing more relaxing and cozy than a, a spa. Just have people take care of you. And I I was talked out of the, like, a, almost 200 something dollar facial with crystals. I was like, I'm going to get crystals on my face. <laughs> I was like, this is my year. <laughs> I was like, that's freaking ridiculous. 
<laughs> it's just like literally put crystals on your face. If, if you pay me $200, I can do that. How about another Posey podcast? We'll just put crystals on Jillian's face and see if it works. <laughs> well, she's also a way to blanket. I'm a way to blanket. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, but it was so lo- lovely. The most gorgeous setting, those mountains. I mean, the, the mountains in Arizona, there's nothing There's nothing like it. And then um, just getting room service and really nice shower. Like the things that you wouldn't even think that seem small just feel so nice. You sound like an orphan or something. It's just like, <laughs> finally, a nice shower. Well, no, it's a those luxury shower. They even okay. have a seat in it. I want to like a whole blog where it's just Jillian review showers. I feel like every vacation you come back from is it's all about the shower for you. Well, it was a luxury resort and I felt luxurious. And this is my year where I'm just going to be a brat because I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not selfish enough. And I think that's very cozy. I don't like all that. There's too much talk of self care. Like it's such a worn out phrase, but I just want to be a brat. That's for replacing self care. You're going to be a brat. <laughs> You're my hero. <laughs> Same. I love that, Julian. Very cozy. Yeah, you're Brett. <laughs> <laughs> What's making me feel cozy this week is Sequoia National Park. It's always a national park for me, isn't it? <laughs> you switch careers. I know, right? I should be a park ranger. Yeah, so it was my husband's birthday this past weekend. And to celebrate, we went to the park, <laughs> a national mm-hmm. park. We went on a little trip. We've just like made a habit of that lately. Little short trips outside of LA that aren't so bad. There are a lot of national, amazing national parks in California, like Yosemite. And so this is actually not far from Yosemite. It's also in the Sierra Nevada mountains, but south in Sequoia. Sequoia is famous for having the world's chonkiest tree. Yeah. When I saw that, um, <laughs> chonkiest, what is that? It's wide. It's like the girthiest stump. Hmm. Yeah. Trunk rather. Let me back up. <laughs> so General Sherman is the world's largest, in terms of diameter of the trunk, tree. Mm-hmm. It's not the tallest. That's a redwood. It's also, I think, in the vicinity of where that is. But I guess that's not a public tree. I guess I worried that people would cut it down if they knew it was the tallest. But it's definitely the widest living one. It's not the widest tree that's ever existed. It's just the, currently the widest living tree. He felt like Snow White <laughs> in the scene where she has all her woodland creatures around her that are just like chilling out. Because not only did we see, you know, the normal stuff you see in forests like that, like chipmunks and deer and bats, but we also saw a bear. Oh, wow. I think I saw it. It was on... Yeah, I posted a story on my personal Instagram. I'll post another one on the Cozy uh, Facebook group. It was like, it looked to me like a juvenile black bear, but also black bears are kind of tiny, so it might have been an adult one. I don't know. But it was still thrilling because my husband's like greatest dream ever was to see a bear in the wild and he got his birthday wish. It was a really great surprise. That's so cool. Yeah. I don't know if you're ever interested in going to Sequoia National Park. It's kind of like a chiller Yosemite. It's like, again, the same mountain range. So similar, you don't have like the big, like awe-inspiring waterfalls or um, El Capitan or things like that. But the Three Rivers, which is like the little village right outside of the park, which has all the hotels and stuff is super cute. Um, we stayed at the Lazy J Motel, and they had, like, a sheep and a river you could chill out by and a, a cat that was super friendly and bats everywhere, which were great for us. All your greatest hits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we also went to the pizza factory in town, which was cute. Had a good veggie pizza, and they have a, their own little Three Rivers brewery. But, yeah, so it was it was a really cool experience. Uh, highly recommend Sequoia National Park. Sounds lovely. 
that's what's making it feel cozy is I think it's time for us to dive into this really cozy mystery that Kristen wrote all about candles and candle making and, and Nantucket. So we're really familiar with the book murders, no vote of confidence because Julie and I just read it, but Kristen, for our listeners who haven't read the book yet, can you um, describe the plot? So the Nantucket candle maker mysteries um, feature Della Wright, who's our sleuth. And she um, grew up on Nantucket. She's a candle maker at heart, but she's also a pretty savvy businesswoman. And in um, Murder's No Vote of Confidence, she gets thrown into new territory for herself. She has been asked by her best friend, Emily, to help design, who's an event planner, to help design a candle-themed wedding which I want to go to one day, candle themed. Oh, yeah. The centerpiece of this wedding is a very large, ornate, beautiful unity candle. <clears throat> I don't know if you're familiar with the unity candles, but you know, they they're used in wedding ceremonies as just a part of the ceremony where the husband and wife um, light the candles together. I think sometimes family can come up and light it with them. Um, people use them, you know, in their own special ways. And in this case, Della um, built this this very strong and, and big candle that's, you know, it's kind of like, I'm going to say like the size of a baseball bat or the, the strength of a baseball bat, right? But decorated delicately with the designs of um, the bride's beautiful beaded gown. Unfortunately, the night before um, the wedding or the weekend of the wedding, the estranged Uncle Simon, Jessica's uncle, who's been asked to walk Jessica down the aisle Friday morning, uh, is found dead. And you can only guess, um, the murder weapon was the beautiful unity candle, which is now split into um, beside the, the victim. Unfortunately, uh, justice is quickly served and a very dear um, family friend who works at the um, the Melville Inn where the wedding is meant to take place? He is arrested, and between the fact that he's been arrested, Stella's Unity Candle, a new extension to her business, is now suffering, and um, just her own uh, horror that something beautiful that she created could be used as a, a weapon, she dives right in, decides to to find out who the real the real murderer is. Yeah, and it's exciting because this is your debut novel. And so just a big congratulations on that. Yeah, congrats. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, so we've had a lot of mystery writers on, and I've noticed a theme. And the theme is that um, there's a lot of writers who transition from the corporate world into writing. And I know that's also true for you in a sense. So I'm wondering, what surprised you most about you know, the writing profession, now that you're in the thick of it, is it harder or easier than you thought? Well, it's an addiction, first of all. (laughs) Once you start writing and you find you love it, you sort of can't stop. I mean, I would say there's kind of two ways to answer that. One is um, I went from studying a a minor I had in in theater um, and directing. So, you know, looking at storytelling from that perspective in college. Then I went into marketing um, in the corporate world, which and product development, which in many ways is telling the story of your product to your customer. And so there's like, I think a little bit of a string of, of just storytelling that 
I've always loved and I've just um, looked at in different ways. When I started writing, um, as I said, you know, once you start, you get hooked. Then I'll just add the second side I was thinking of is um, the really fun thing about writing in a cozy is I feel a bit like it uses both sides of your brain because cozy mysteries are a very, um, in many ways, formulaic genre in that there are certain things you expect, a small town or community, an amateur sleuth, someone who has a passion in a craft, who's able to throw usually herself into these new challenges, but has skills that she's developed in her life, which come in handy. There's the cat, you know, all of the things that we're used to. Oddly, I think having that list of things I knew I want, you know, were elements to include made the writing process very satisfying for me. So I was both able to be very creative, but also methodical in the process. And and that worked for me. Yeah, it seems like everyone has their own process incorporating their past and, you know, their present. We've had other, as I said, mystery writers on who've said that their past profession informed their writing, which is interesting because you normally wouldn't think, oh, marketing lends itself to being creative or writing. But it really is. It's like you said, it's telling a story of a product. And so you already had that in you and that background, but you just you're using it in a different way. So it's funny, too, because when I studied um, theater and directing, that helped me be a really good manager. You know, so everything sort of like leads to the next chapter, as it were. And, and you mentioned that with when writing a cozy mystery, there are those elements that we come to expect. And oftentimes those include the cozy workplaces or where our heroes spend their time. In Stella's case, it's her wonderfully cozy store, The Wiccan Flame. Um, and Stella not only creates and sells candles, scented and unscented, but she holds candle making classes. What did you learn from your research about candle stores and candle making? You kind of addressed this a little bit earlier, but I, I want to go a little deeper. Like, what did you learn when you're doing your research about candles? Absolutely. Um, I end up, ended up loving that she's a teacher as well um, as a businesswoman and a, as an artist, because it inspired me to do a little more research about you know, different approaches to candle making in a way that I would then be able to um, describe them clearly to the reader. You learn just the neatest things. For example, someone mentioned to me that there was um, a kind of candle that started maybe in the Middle Ages called candle clocks. And the idea was that um, you would have little time elements kicked into the wax. So as the candle burned down, you could mark the passage of time. That's so cool. So of course, immediately your, my imagination went wild and I'm, you know, was just, I have to put that in a book somewhere. And so in my third book, um, you know, sure enough, I, you know, found a way to, to add that, um, that idea into the book. On the one hand, I'm sort of learning the ABCs of candle making, but you, then you learn all these neat little historical um, stories and, and they can inspire, you know, storylines and change them even. Yeah. Candles have a, a really rich and strange history <laughs> and I've never heard of a candle clock, but now I suddenly need one. That's our next project. You speak so highly of selling, you know, she's a businesswoman, she's creative. She's also a teacher. And she also comes as, across as someone who has a calm presence. At least that's what I picked up from the book. She's someone who's more thoughtful than reactionary. And it's a contrast to some sleuths that I've read before where they're, and they they immediately react to things. But 
Um, Stella seems like positive cautiousness to her and um, she's very observant. So I'm curious, who did you model Stella after? Stella took on a life of her own, I have to say. It always happens to me. I might plot things or plan characters. And then once I start, they all have their own opinions and they, you know, take off in in their own direction. I'm I'm so happy to hear you describe Stella the way you did. Um, I love that she's able to lean in on on you know her own skill set, her family, her friends, her knowledge of of the island. Um, and I think part of the way her character evolved is that she's in a really interesting position that I think is unique to Nantucket, which is for many months of the year, particularly the summer, a resort island, you know, and in other times of the year, very small town community. As a result, she sort of has an ear to the ground about things going on in Nantucket. But as um, a local, when people from the outside come in, She's a bit of a non-threatening sort of person that's serving others, and she kind of picks up information sometimes without the visitors realizing that she's there or listening in. One thing I really like about her is that in spite of the way you described her as someone who's you know cautiously optimistic, sometimes she falls on her face, and it doesn't quite work out the way she hopes it will. But I like, you know, I she kind of picks herself up and has, you know, self-confidence enough to try again and worm her way back um, to the answer in, in another way. Um, and so that's something I, I really respect about her. Yeah, she has a very rich life, and that comes through. You mentioned Nantucket, and which is it's certainly like an incredibly cozy location. What was your favorite thing about writing a story set there? I spent a lot of, you know, February writing a book about the spring, in one of my favorite places. And so that was lovely because I'd be, you know, curled up before I had my weighted blanket, by the way, writing <laughs> um, in freezing cold New York um, and just going in my mind every day to this wonderful, magical island that I've loved my whole life. Um, and that also is one thing that I love about having this, this book, these books placed in Nantucket. Nantucket is a really magical, magical island. Um, it's so rich in history, in um, aesthetically, it's just so cozy. You can't not walk or even in July when it's packed with tourists and traffic is terrible, it's still wonderful. And so to be able to try to bring that, that town to life was a privilege and very humbling because you just don't want to get it wrong. Um, you don't want to let anybody down by not getting it right. And I'll also add that Stella loves history, the history of the island. And it's partly why she became a candle maker. Nantucket is sort of famous for its history in whaling. When the whalers actually discovered something called spermaceti oil, which is in the brain cavity of the whale, that they were able to make into the cleanest, whitest, brightest, and longest-lasting candles at the time. This was about the early 1800s. And so about a third of their economy at that time came from candle-making. And when Stella learns this, she's really inspired by bringing that history to life in her town. And her mom is actually a, a perfumer, so she developed a very keen sense of smell. And those are things that sort of, um, you know, brought her together and which I feel like, you know, I was able to honor the island by by adding by making that part of her her character. 
I, lo- I love the history in your in your book, and it was so lovely to learn about both the history of Nant- of Nantucket and also of candles and candle making. Thank you. So many neat factoids. You also lived in London, is that is that correct? I did years ago, but and for a short time. Do you, do you prefer one to the other in terms of coziness? London is really cozy, but it's also very cold, and it gets very dark very early in the year. Well, you have to set a second series in London. <laughs> I'm very happy with, with that idea. I actually started, that's where I started writing. It's when we were living in London. I was there for, I knew what, what was going to be a short period of time, and my kids were young, but unlike New York City, they actually were at school for a very a much longer um, day. I was just, I felt so privileged to have this little bubble of time in life. And I decided, what could I do that I've never done before? That's a challenge that I may never have the opportunity to do again. And writing came to mind. And so I started by buying um, a lot of books. I went to Daunt's Books, which is, uh, oh, they actually, I guess, just bought Barnes & Noble. And we had a beautiful garden because a lot of those you know, houses in England are built, London are built around these, these um, squares. And a fireplace, it was super cozy. And it rained a lot, which I always find is very reading inducive. And I just read and read first before writing as if I were a writer, which is a very different experience. Once I sort of got into that whole groove, I went over to the Victorian Albert Library uh, the museum has a library that if you sort of check everything but a notebook and a pen, they let you work there. And again, inspiring and cozy. I'd look around the art before I'd sit down and write. And so that's how I started. And I just, you know, would, would go there whenever I had the time and take advantage of that. And um, and that's how I got hooked. What a, what, a, what a lovely writer origin story. Speaking of cozy locations, what does your cozy workspace look like? So that's a fun question. Um, It depends where I am at the writing stage of a particular book. Often when I'm starting to write a book, I like to go to a cafe or two that um, are in my neighborhood. I like to be around people at that stage. Writing is a very solitary experience, and I think sometimes that aspect can be a little unhealthy. And I live in a very, frankly, cozy neighborhood, even though I'm in New York City. And I, there are friends who will know I'm there, and they'll sort of stop by and say hi as they walk by. And maybe I'll throw out an idea. And um, just hearing myself say something out loud can be really helpful. I have really, really creative friends. So sometimes they'll come up with something fun that I, try, I play with and try to figure out how, how that might fit into a book. Um, once that's all done, then I spend more time at home and, um, I work in my apartment or, um, at a library near my house. Um, when I know I need a little more discipline, somehow when you show up at a library, you focus more because other people will see you. Uh, but at that point I could probably only work about five or six hours a day when I, no, not even really four or five. When I'm done with a draft, then I dig in deep and I pretty much stay at home and I can work for hours straight without even realizing that I've, you know, that any time has passed. So it becomes sort of like this progressively for me, um, solitary uh, experience where I start at the cafe and end up, you know, in a corner in my room uh, till all hours of the night. 
often with a candle. <laughs> Lovely. Sounds very cozy. You need a candle when you're writing about a candle maker. <laughs> yeah, with writing, I feel like in those beginning stages, you're just trying to like ideate and get stuff on the page. It's such it's so cognitively demanding that you can't really yeah. work for more than a few hours at a time. Right. But then once that draft is there and you can play around things, move things, expand things, it's somehow, at least for me, I think every writer is different, more fluid and more playful. And like I can do more of that for longer. So I definitely hear that. And I always, I don't know if you guys um, are good with your outlines, but I try. And I have in my head like a general vision of what the story will be. But it always sort of takes on, the book will take on a life of its own once I start. And I'm always reeling, reeling characters and scenes back in to sort of follow the path that I originally had in mind. Yeah, I think the fluidity too, once you're writing the scene or the chapter and you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, what would follow this? In that moment, it might feel different than the outline. So sometimes there's that, as, as cozy authors like to say, there's a mix of that pantsing and plotting. Some people, they sit down and they knock out that outline into a book, and I'm very jealous. <laughs> Not how my mind works. <laughs> well, well, speaking of book plots, I want to go back really quickly to the plot of Murders in a Vote of Confidence, which revolves around a wedding and the creation and later destruction of a beautiful unity candle. When did you know you wanted your story uh, to center around a wedding? Oh, wow. I don't even remember. It was always baked in. It was always baked in, and it... Emily came to life to me as a, her best friend, Emily Gardner, as a wedding planner, I mean, as an event planner. And I think I just loved the idea of a wedding theme. And once I had that vision, I was very attached to that element of the plot. I also really liked the idea of, of placing a lot of the story at what I've called the Melville Inn which is not a real inn on the island. And so in Nantucket, Nantucket is often a, a place where people plan destination weddings. And it's a very, very popular um, place to be married. And it takes up the spring um, and the fall are very popular times to have weddings. So it, it really fit with the cycle of Nantucket. Um, and the book starts at Memorial Day weekend. That's a huge weekend for weddings. And um, so all of those elements really, they were like pieces of a puzzle that really clicked together um, in a way that made a lot of sense for a Nantucket-based story and murder. Yeah, and it lends itself to a lot of different avenues and plot points to take. There's so much fodder there that I can see why you were drawn, drawn to it. A lot of outsiders coming to the island, guests coming to the island. Mm -hmm. I tried not to make uh, Jessica Sterling, who's the bride, um, the typical bridezilla. She's she's actually a really nice, um, wonderful lady who gets you know um, caught up on her wedding weekend in this horrible tragedy. Um, and so I had to, you know, part of Stella's reaction to the murder is also feeling not beholden, but, you know, she really doesn't want to let, uh, let Jessica down. Yeah. And, you know, uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, I read a post that you wrote for the wickeds and in it, you mentioned how a friend said to you, if I could do it all again, I wouldn't have worried so much. And <laughs> it's, I, it really resonated because I think people who are in the creative field, especially writers, they tend to be warriors um, and I was wondering, when you write, how do you tame 
potential anxious thoughts or self-criticism you might have? Um, and how do you move forward with continued confidence when writing? I read a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert about the creative life. She talks about how, you know, stories just float around the world. And if you're lucky, it lands on your shoulder and it's yours for a while. And if you're, you know, if you're lucky enough to sort of harness it and and write it, that's great. And if not, it's going to fly to somebody else. But just give it a try and write and go for it. Um, And something about that image really resonated with me. Um, When I'm feeling like I just don't have it in me one morning or one day, what I really like to do is grab a writing prompt and set my timer and just write for five minutes. Because if it's terrible, all I've done is lose five minutes. It didn't lose a day and I didn't ruin my story. And often, you know, what you'll find is that you get back on track just once you take the pressure out of the equation. Um, A lot of times when I am stuck, I just leave, I close the my laptop and I go for a walk or I take the dog out or I grab a coffee or I call a friend. Sometimes just leaving the, um, the, the story for a minute, actually suddenly the answer comes to you. You just have to sort of give your mind a rest. So, you know, those are sort of tools that I use to keep focused. In terms of keeping my confidence, I think that when you write, it just a bit becomes the second nature. You can't help it. And so, and the beautiful thing about writing is that you can write for yourself. You can write for a friend. You can write for a wider audience with a published book. But writing is yours to have and to do whatever you need to do with. Um, And so if I never have another published book um, after the three I've written for the Nantucket Candlemaker Mysteries, I'll still be writing. Um, And... I think that that's sort of what, you know, keeps you going. It's very well said. Thank you. Well, speaking of ways to like reset when you're writing and you have those moments where you might be getting stuck or you need a moment to like get your juices flowing. Sometimes when I'm writing, there are certain books I like to read depending on what I'm working on that inspire me while I'm doing that writing. And maybe it might be about a certain author's style or the subject. And I'm curious if there are any books that you like to read while you write, if any. I actually get really nervous when I'm writing about reading too much because I I don't, maybe it's because I'm still a new writer. Um, I don't want to somehow subconsciously get another voice in my head. And maybe that's just an issue of confidence, but I do allow myself to indulge in um, maybe cozy mystery television because that just, uh, what I find will always help me think about plot. That's a part of my brain that's always working when I'm writing, and it's not about the words on the paper. It's just about the, the thinking, thinking, thinking part. The other thing that I think I love more than anything at this point is reading unfinished work by other writers who I um, am in writing groups with um, or who are friends. I find it to be a, a tremendous privilege to read something that's still in the works. And I always find that in uh, giving ideas back to the writer that um, I'm coming up with challenges that I'm probably facing myself in my own work, or I didn't even think I should. And then suddenly I sit back down to write and I think, well, wait a minute, am I doing what I, you know, told so-and-so to do? And I love that. 
Um, there's something so beautiful about like that, you know, the clay that hasn't been totally, uh, you know, formed into the perfect statue yet, or in this case, the pages are still unfinished. Yeah, totally. There's something so much more inspiring sometimes about works that are in progress and seeing like kind of like the more human scale of how that work happens is, is sometimes a way more inspiring than seeing this like perfect book and you're just sitting there wondering sometimes feeling even most to feel like how did they do that <laughs> I know, but the, obviously right? there's a lot of hard work and revision that goes into all of that i agree i think it's amazing it's like you get to look behind the curtain you know exactly and looking towards the future what's next for stella aha wonderful question <laughs> um mm-hmm. in february um the next nantucket candle maker mystery uh will hit the bookstore it is called murder makes sense I like it. Thank you. <laughs> Got it. And um, in Murder Makes Sense, Stella, actually, it starts in, in Paris. Um, I hate to say it's a little bit of a bait and switch because it really does take place in Nantucket. Um, but Paris follows um, Stella to back to Nantucket. And uh, she and her mom, who have been at a, um, a perfume conference in, in Paris, a perfumery conference, um, return home and dark forces follow them uh, and Stella kind of jumps in to, to protect the island. I like to think of this book as a and kind of an action-adventure book wrapped in a cozy mystery. There's a scene I love where she's in her at the Wiccan Flame and she's been thrown into this mystery and she looks at herself and sort of feels like a spy for a moment, you know, has a James Bond sort of feeling. But then she gets into her red beetle and is on cobblestones and has to drive the speed limit. So no one notices that she's off on her, her um, investigation. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just sort of cozy meets, meets adventure. It's a lot of fun. It's a little different, you know, but um, it has like a little more, I don't know, 39 steps versus Agatha Christie. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Your titles are so catchy and clever and funny. And so thanks for giving us a little preview. Uh, where can people catch up with you on social media? Um, before I answer that, I will just share one anecdote that um, I feel like naming a cozy mystery is as addictive as naming a baby. You know, once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> So my, I mentioned I have a lot of creative friends and family as well. And I one day challenged my brother and one of my best friends in a text duel, basically, to come up with cozy titles for the Nantucket Mystery Makers. They could not stop. It was 45 minutes of <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. So it was just so fun. Once you open the, the pun floodgates... There's no closing it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So come visit me on um, Facebook or Instagram at Kristen Brecker Books. And uh, my website is kristenbrecker.com. We'll be following you and eagerly awaiting the second installment <laughs> in the, the Nantucket Candlemaker Mysteries. It's been so fun talking with both of you. Thanks for having me. All right, so we're back. It's just me and Jillian now. Poor Kristen. I feel terrible. You, you won't hear this because we will have edited that interview, but we had at least four dropouts <laughs> of, yeah. and technical issues. Usually it goes pretty smoothly, but yeah. for some reason it just wasn't our night. It was not our night. And um, not only were some issues happening on Kristen's end, but mostly the issue was with, was with Jillian's microphone 
what ended up happening was I think it died in the middle of recording. And so if Jillian sounds a little bit different in this recording, it's because she her audio jumped to her computer microphone. But I'm just grateful that something was recording what Jillian was saying, the precious, precious words that were oh, coming yeah. out of Jillian's mouth. Her poetry. <laughs> um, but that's why Patreon is so helpful, because we can get a new mic. Yeah, we're going to probably need like every new <laughs> mic. I think it's time to upgrade totally, because these microphones have been with me since after Smash. And when I think about how long ago that was, <laughs> and this podcast already is a couple of years old, so... Which is wild. Yeah, so I think it might be time to... Upgrade. Yeah, that, that Patreon, let's use this opportunity to talk about Patreon, because the show has, it might, you know, it might seem like, oh, Jillian and Matt, they just get to, and it is a gift just to even have an audience and chat about cozy stuff every couple of weeks, and we're really grateful that, that you're listening, but there are these hidden costs to even just doing this hobby, which is... The microphones cost money. The the candles, candles. cost money. It's like it, you know, long term, like just sustainability. It really does help to have the support of listeners like you to steal a line from PBS. And then, so we actually had a recent new Patreon. Yeah, a- Andrea or, or Andrea. I don't know how you pronounce it. There's like, either way, it's ways. beautiful. And thank you so much for your support. We sent you some cozy swag that's coming your way. I probably have received it by this, this point. And, uh, yeah, you get a lovely All Things Cozy magnet and a lovely All Things Cozy sticker. My partner wanted to um, get All Things Cozy bumper stickers. There's a sale on bumper stickers, and I, it's hard to me, for me to imagine that they'll be right around with All Things Cozy on the back of their their ride. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe. let the people decide for themselves. <laughs> you know, maybe our listeners are clamoring for bumper, bumper stickers. Bumper stickers, yeah. I think let's start with mugs. I, I feel like that mugs. would be maybe a better place. Yeah, even though there's a sale, yeah. you know. Yeah, know your audience. Um, so, yeah, thank you for everyone's contributed to our Patreon fund. And now on to our candle review. I picked this candle up from a little wine shop called Vinavore in Silver Lake. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the brand name right, it's M A M E, so I don't know if it's Mame or Mommy. <laughs> I want, I, I'd like Mame. Okay, Mamie. Yeah, Mamie. It's Mame for Mame. sure. Mame luxury soy candles, and why I was in um, it piqued my interest because they're made in Arizona, and you and, love the musical Mame. Yeah, <laughs> musicals are being my existence. <laughs> um, and so, since I just went to Arizona, I was in Arizona state of mind, so I picked this one up. 30 to 40 hour burn. The scent is lavender coconut. And that also piqued my interest because I never heard. Yeah, that, that combo is not something you see it, every day. It's a rare combo. And each of the candle labels has a quote on it. To be honest, they're all pretty basic quotes. This is a Robert Frost quote. They're all, I think they had another one from Oscar Wilde. Like, lot, very, you know, got all your greatest hits in there. So I'm not too thrilled with the, the quote selection. But But you like this quote the best? Can you can you read the Robert Frost quote? It's not. It's just the two rows of Virgin the Wood quote. It's not that I ha- particularly love that quote. Jillian actually has a tattoo on her <laughs> lower back. So it had all different all different quotes, and I forgot what the other quotes were. But one of them was so bad that it convinced you not to buy the scent. But I don't remember what it was. But you know it matters. So be careful if you're a candle maker and you put quotes in your candles. You might be hurting yourself more than helping yourself. Oh well, yeah, I mean you don't have to give me that much. Just tell me what the scent is. How long it's burning for. That's pretty much all I need to know. But She's got to know how many hours of light she can have in her house. I, I like these scents. I, I smelt another one, and it, <laughs> it, it was a French... It was a 
It was a French woman. (laughs) You are being... I think I'm a little rascal tonight because of all the technical difficulties we've been having. Well, you know what's not difficult? This lovely scent. No, I will say <laughs> that was a that was a uh, game show transition. You should you should have a second career. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I actually this combination is not something I would have thought I'd love, mm-hmm. but I love this candle. It's, it's such a great. I'm gonna describe it. It's a well rounded. It's 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 soft but sweet in a really pleasant way. Um, Smells like the spa. I think it's the coconut that like really like. It takes all the sharp edges out of the lavender scent and turns it into just a purely like enveloping floral smell that's just really pleasing. Yeah, I am not a big fan of coconut, to be honest. I'm worried it's going to smell like sunscreen or something yeah. too tropically, but it's a really nice combination. And they, I, like I said, I took a you know whiff of their other candles, and there's this one dark. Dark roast vanilla. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. It it, it was, but, it was but the a little, quote little too was strong. terrible. Well, that one, the scent was way too strong. And oh, okay. I thought, okay, this is you know way too much. Um, but this one was just nice, light, and airy. A unique scent combination. Coconut lavender. Yeah, I I love it. Very simple design. Could do without the quote, but hey, you know what? They've been in business since 2011, so they must be doing something right. Mame does it again. Yeah. So thank you, Mame, for. Want to sniff you? (laughs) (laughs) Sniff your coconut lavender? Yeah. One wick up for me. One wick up for me. Two wicks all the way up for Mame. (laughs) So as we're, you know, closing out today's episode, I do want to give a a shout out of thanks. A shout out of thanks. Okay. But seriously, sincerely thank you to um, the newest person to leave Mm. us a five-star review on iTunes. I am Emma, wrote in to call us a warm cinnamon roll of a podcast. Oh. Which honest I, I think we've we've accomplished our life goal. This is yeah, amazing. There we go. Um she writes just discovered this delicious and comforting treat and I feel like I found a chest of soft quilts to look forward to cuddling up in. Thank you for creating this bit of happiness. How sweet is that? That's really sweet. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Truly take it to heart. Yeah, no, honestly, also the way you describe our podcast, we sound delicious. I want to eat our show. That should be our new tagline. <laughs> we'll sell bump, bump, I bump the stickers. <laughs> the New Yorker came out. <laughs> We're going to sell bump stickers. <laughs> It'll sound like gangbusters. <laughs> now he's like a handle on mustache. But yeah, whatever we end up selling, thank you so much, I am Emma, for your five-star review. It means a lot. We haven't had one in a long time. And so we were, we've been kind of starved for that praise. So we love it. We'll read your review on the show. So if you want to... Want to shout out. Want to shout us out. We know we love it. Thanks for the validation. But yeah, so you can always keep up to date with us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at All Things Cozy Podcast. We're both on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, we love uh, the kind words that our listeners say to us <laughs> on Apple Podcasts or... Wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and yeah, check out our Patreon because tonight we've had one technical issue after the other and we need brand I new need equipment. <laughs> and we need wine to, to shake IV off this. Of wine. But honestly, it was such a pleasure to talk to Kristen. I really loved Murder's No Vote of Confidence. If you love candles, if you love cozies, check out that book. Yes. Um, we were lucky to have her on. We're really lucky to have her on. Thank you so much, Kristen, for joining us. Um, and until next time, stay cozy. Stay cozy.